John Roderick. We speak to you from our present, which we can only assume is your distant past, the turbulent time that was the early 21st century. Fearing the great cataclysm that will surely befall our civilization, we began this monumental reference of strange and obscure human knowledge. These recordings represent our attempt to compile and preserve wonders and esoterica that would otherwise be lost. So whether you're listening from an advanced civilization or have just reinvented the technology to decrypt our transmissions, this is our legacy to you. This is our time capsule. This is the Omnibus. Accessed entry 840.PR0415. Certificate number 29250. The Noid. Annoyed hates hot quality pizza. He loves to make your hot pizza ice cold. Call Domino's Pizza and avoid the Noid. One call does it all. In nineteen eighty six, John America was introduced to the Noid. You remember the Noid? I, I remember the Noid quite well. We both are intimately familiar with the Noid. Mm-hmm. I tried everything I could to avoid the Noid. But apparently it didn't work. Neither of us avoided the Noid. It's very hard to avoid the Noid. We're speaking to a future generation that has been probably a hundred percent successful in avoiding the Noid because he's been gone for centuries. I feel, I feel like anyone who was born after 1989 has avoided the Noid, right? They did great. Yeah. They're the, uh, yeah, they're the generation that, I don't know why we put down millennials. They're the living generation that has most successfully avoided the Noid. That's right, because um, most of the greatest generation were still alive. And probably watching tons of TV. So they didn't avoid the Noid. The Noid was an advertising mascot, people of the future. Uh-huh. Uh, uh-huh. Television, the kind of dominant visual medium of our day, was subsidized by corporations advertising their products during breaks in the content. And there was kind of a weird trope. I don't know if this still exists or if this is just our childhood, where the advertisement would be a miniature story, a little morality play, mm-hmm. in which some evil character tries, is trying to steal the product from its delighted consumers. Right. You've got, well, you've got uh, some of that still exists, right? The weird mucus monsters that are destroyed by. What product is Mucinex. this? Mucinex. Remember? Mucinex oh, is killing okay, these ugly mucus. But uh, scrubbing bubbles in your bathtub, weren't they combating somebody? Yeah, they're coming to life, but they're not combating you at least. Right. Like those, those personify the product. I'm talking more about where the personification of the product is some kind of hoodlum who wants to steal it from you. Like the, oh. I'm more like the breakfast cereal model. Uh-huh. The Tricks Bunny, right. the Lucky Charms Leprechaun. The Hamburglar. Oh, the Hamburglar is kind of what gives us the Noid, I think. Yep. The Noid is the Hamburglar's fault. I see that. The I, idea that, you, I guess the idea is you're going to love your, your Lucky Charms or your uh, Fruity Pebbles right. or your Big Mac more if at any second Barney Rubble could swoop down on a vine or the Hamburglar oh. could sneak out. And take it from you. Like you watch images of people be deprived of this product and you're supposed to be like, man, I, 
I, I need a Big Mac. I'd keep it from the Hamburglar. I feel like I was that character in my high school lunchroom. <laughs> my friends all learned to kind of sit with their arms protectively around their food because I would, because I was deprived, right? I got sent to school with a paper bag full of just Cheetos. tears. Right. <laughs> I was gonna say, what would be worse, <laughs> Cheetos or tears? I think to tears. <laughs> uh, and, and so I was constantly like, you know, grabbing French fries out of people's stuff. So I, I was a little bit of a hamburglar. It's a good thing you're a musician because you, you never really had an office job where you could be the break room fridge thief. No, I've never seen one of those notes in person that says, stop drinking my half and half. And that's why it's okay for you to do it because you've never seen one of those notes. <laughs> no one's ever told me to stop. The rest of us are morally culpable, <laughs> but you know, you just don't know any better. So, yeah, I see what you're saying, that this advertising concept, which had to originate with the er version of it, right? I guess probably the Hamburglar. Maybe. Is Somebody, he, does he predate all the cereal thieves? Definitely before the Trix Bunny. It seems to be aimed at children. You know, children seem to be very vulnerable to the idea that somebody might steal your food. They're in some early Freudian stage where, uh-huh. where that oral fixation yeah. motivates all their actions, I so, guess. You know, that nipple always comes out of their mouth at some point. That Lucky Charms marshmallow-shaped nipple. <laughs> what if Lucky Charms did have some infant cereal where the marshmallows were shaped like nipples? I think marshmallows are intrinsically shaped like nipples. Is that the appeal of marshmallows? Think of a marshmallow. Oh, yeah. Small ones, big ones. They're all nipples. Lucky- Sugar nipples. Not the big ones so much. That's for people with some weird fetish eating, the, eating those jumbo marshmallows. I don't know. That's a, that's a little, <laughs> little too much about you, John. <laughs> the thing about the Noid is, unlike the Hamburglar, he does not want to take Domino's pizza because it's so delicious. He just wants to ruin it oh, for right. you. The Noid has no. The Noid himself gets nothing out of it except the satisfaction of your dissatisfaction. Right. In a typical Noid advertisement. The narrator tells us that, you know, it's, it's super hard to get hot and convenient pizza delivered to your home. Yeah, yeah. And the Noid just hates that that can happen. He loves to ruin pizza. Well, and he has like a, he, he's like the cold miser or whatever. He uses frost as his weapon, right? Sure. He's got, well, he, he has a, he has a huge arsenal of Wiley Coyote style weapons in different ads, mm. but they're always... Uh, devoted to ruining pizza delivery. You know, it makes the pizza cold because he's got some kind of weather mach- uh, ice gun or something. Uh-huh. You know, he, he can make the pizza late with a weather machine. He can make the pizza smushed with like a big sledgehammer that yeah. sticks the cheese to the top of the box. And he never, he never eats a bite of pizza. Huh. And I think this is because even the Noid knows that Domino's pizza was and is pretty terrible. <laughs> Should we? <laughs> well, there go our Domino's ads. Oh, yeah, hopefully Domino's does not exist in the future. Or if it does, you know, our listeners already know this. Well, I think that it's easy nowadays to forget that pre-Domino's, there was no such thing as like a there in 20 minutes style pizza delivery service for college students and bachelors and people you know, who were just sitting around wanting some pizza. If you were to get a delivery pizza, it would come from your local Il Padrino's or Sorrento's Pizzeria. And it was like the younger brother of the owner who would kind of, you know, schlep it out to you. But there wasn't this, what now we take for granted, this army of little cars with little signs safety pinned to the roof that are dedicated to this, like, let's get pizza out there. Yeah, if you wanted Pizza Hut, you had to go to a building shaped like a hut right? and stay within the red-roofed hut to eat your pizza. That was the model. You could take it home, right? You could get you it could to get go. You could take out, yeah. 
But uh, Domino's was this, what we now nowadays would describe as a disruptor of the pizza industry. And right. they came up with this idea, not only that they were almost exclusively, well, at first exclusively delivery, there were no sit down Domino's and that they would get them to you like, like in a heartbeat. I, I never liked it, but you got it all the time. It's often misremembered that their slogan was, if your pizza's not there in 30 minutes, it's free. Right. And in fact, it was, if your pizza's not there in 30 minutes, it's discounted. I think they gave you three bucks off or something. They, that went away in a few years because it was leading to unsafe driving. Oh, Cities and states hated this slogan because you sure. had these guys careening around all these terrible young drivers <laughs> driving even worse than usual because they had to get there in 29 and a half minutes. I thought it, uh, they took that slogan away because there were a lot of people during this era who had figured out ways to game that system. Oh, is that true? Yeah, that that you would give them kind of a ambiguous address or a lot of times, uh, and, I, and I actually witnessed this a few times. Not, uh, not you, of course. Not me. I was just an innocent bystander just sitting on the couch, you know. There's nothing I could have done. Kind of, you know, slightly baked just watching the whole thing happen. But you'd order a pizza and then 22 minutes into the thing, you would call Domino's and cancel. What? But the driver's on the way and uh, they don't have cell phones or they didn't have CB radios. And so the guy would show up at your door within 30 minutes, but you'd say, oh, I called him to cancel. And would the guy just be like, well, well, so, and sometimes they would actually call in. Sometimes they'd be like, huh? And then you could say, well, I'll tell you what, I'll give you five bucks for it. And I saw that work, you know, because the guy's like, uh, all right, whatever. I mean, you know, they just have to throw it away. So there was a lot of scamming of dominoes during that period. What a chess match that would be between these two, you know, these two razor sharp wits, some, <laughs> no. some baked college student <laughs> and some driver who doesn't care at all. Right. The driver's probably baked too. And they're, <laughs> they're both just like, well, uh, have you ever really looked at your hands? Domino's was started in Michigan in the 1960s, I think. What? No. By a guy named Tom Monahan. But it was he just bought some, you know, local college takeout place. He was the Ray Kroc of pizzas. <laughs> right, basically. Well, yeah, because he, in, you know, instituted franchising. Right. And, you know, within the next 20 years, suddenly Domino's were everywhere. And they were disruptors. They targeted, for example, college scenes dominated by takeout pizza. Mm -hmm. And they put a Domino's right there so nobody would ever come in for a pizza or a slice again. You would just sit call, at home. And yeah, just call it to your dorm. 20 minutes later, cheap, bad pizza would appear. And that kind of explains the Noid, I think, uh, because it's never clear what about Domino's pizza helps you avoid the Noid. Right. They don't tout any kind of box technology or better ingredients or whatever that makes the pizza fresher. They never say we're going to rush to your door. They just, they leave that unspoken. They tell you it's 30 minutes and they, they show that the, you know, the noids Wiley Coyote machine cannot crush Domino's boxes, but right. you know, but it's, it's kind of a nebulous thing. Like they uh, describe something called the dome of quality, which is an invisible force field, <laughs> a dome shaped <laughs> invisible force field that surrounds Domino's boxes and is impervious to the noids 
weather gun or sledgehammer or slingshot or whatever. Sure, I actually have a dome of quality around me. Surrounds you at all times. That's why no, nobody can ever get close to you. That's right. It's the dome That's of right. quality. You just stand on the other side of the dome of quality and knock on what seems it to be kind so of a loose It looks so good in there. I know. I feel like a child in a Christmas window mm-hmm. every time we do the podcast. You're not alone. <laughs> but, but the presumption is that we all have had the experience of a pizza which has been crushed or frozen by the noid, right? That they're appealing to a, the familiarity that we must have all experienced a pizza that arrived so late that it was cold and mushy and the box had stuck to the cheese. I guess. And the slogan is not usually avoid the noid. During the ad, they will say, it's a little confusing. Sometimes they'll say, with Domino's pizza, you can avoid the noid or Domino's avoids the noid. You know, it's not clear who's avoiding the noid, them or us. Oh, I see. But th- that's in the ad. The slogan at the end is often just whatever their slogan of the year was. It'll be because the noid was on TV for three or four years. So the slogan at the end will be nobody delivers better or one call does it all. They which, didn't realize that avoid the noid was the hook. That was the chorus of the tune. Right. And they should just say it as many times as they could. It should have been avoid the noid. Instead, it's one call does it all. I guess... There were other pizza places you had to <laughs> make four call calls. multiple times. Once, <laughs> once to order, once to cancel. <laughs> you call the people and order it, then you call another line to pay. Because uh, Domino's was out of Michigan, the Noid was not invented by some big Madison Avenue firm. There was a little Ann Arbor niche advertising outfit called Group 243. Just a bunch of guys in Ann Arbor advertising whoever needs ads in Ann Arbor, Michigan. Was group spelled G-R-U-P-P-E? They are not a uh, German. <laughs> group. They're not like Kraftwerk. <laughs> they're not a German. Uh, Some kind uh, like of. Industrial uh, type rock group. Former Luftwaffe <laughs> yeah, pilots exactly. that had started an ad agency. They're the biggest ad agency in Paraguay today. <laughs> uh, and a guy named Matthew Thornton was apparently the writer most responsible for inventing the Noid. Uh, the Noid, we have not described the Noid to future generations. Right, the, the Noid is The visual of, design is maybe the weirdest thing about the Noid. Well, so my recollection is that he was a sort of a rat-faced person with bunny ears. Yeah, that's the thing. He's got, he's a human wearing, he's wearing a superhero suit, okay. which is confusing because he's already a terrible supervillain. Yeah. He does not even like the pizzas he's destroying. Superhero suit, like like a like tights and a red cape. spandex mask. He's got an N on his chest uh-huh. and track shoes, I guess, uh-huh. because he's got a he's got to run to try to outrun the Domino's car. Right, and that communicates kind of a low rent superhero. Yeah, he's kind of a homemade. But why? Maybe he apparently he thinks of himself as a superhero in the Noid's personal mythology. He's on a mission for. For what though? Well, his his uh, his uncle was killed with a hot pizza. <laughs> <laughs> Two high quality pizzas <laughs> once came out of Ray's. Yeah, killed his uncle and, and his aunt. Shot and, his uncle and aunt. And then a piece, and then a pepperoni bit him, and he uh, he became the Noid. The weirdest thing is he's got a human face with, as you say, these kind of rodent-like buck teeth, but he has rabbit ears. Yeah, what's that about? Which he will like, and they don't, I don't even know if they're ears, because he plays with them. He'll grab them and kind of fondle them or or grip them in frustration. It's a little masturbatory. Are they made out of the same material as Stretch Armstrong? (laughs) They don't appear to boing much. Uh Um, 
When asked about this by, uh, I think, Adweek, Matthew Thornton said that the Noid, that their, their brief for the Noid was that he had to be clever, industrious, energetic, etc. So they're all really in the tank for the Noid yeah, at, at Grupa, at the Grupa <laughs> 243. They're, they're loving the Noid, but the Noid had, a, had an irritating voice where he kind of mumbled yes. and chattered. He, uh, Thornton says, we started out with little men, sort of dwarves and gnomes, things like that from the mystic world. So he's, mm-hmm. he's like a gremlin. He's He's mischievous, I guess. Uh-huh. He's like the guy ripping up the airplane wing on the Twilight Zone. I see that. The character was emotional and could think, but it didn't speak. Uh, so it had to have a lot of body language. That's how he came up with the Bugs Bunny ears. So I guess they make up for the fact that he can't talk. His ears Oh, he gets emotion. frustrated and he can grab his ears. Right. And maybe his, do his ears cock like, uh, like Bugs Bunny's? I'm not even sure about that. Well, like if he's listening in or yeah. it, is he expressive with his ears? I think he may be expressive with his ears because he was created by a great animator, uh, by the way. Uh, Will Vinton, the same claymation animator that created the California Raisins. When it comes to meat, quality makes a huge difference in texture and taste. And even though it might be better for you and the environment, a lot of the higher quality meat you find at the grocery store is just too expensive for most people's budget. Thankfully, there's ButcherBox. ButcherBox believes everyone deserves access to high-quality, humanely sourced meat at an affordable price. That's why each month, ButcherBox ships a curated selection of the finest cuts right to your home. Choose from 100% grass-fed and finished beef, free-range organic chicken, heritage pork, wild-caught Alaskan salmon, and sugar and nitrate-free bacon. No antibiotics, no added hormones, just meat the way meat should be. And right now, you can get two pounds of ground beef and two packs of bacon absolutely free plus twenty dollars off your first box when you visit butcherbox.com slash iheart or use the promo code iheart at checkout that's butcherbox.com slash iheart or use the promo code iheart at checkout well so these were these were contemporaneous ad campaigns. The California Raisins and the Noid were on TV at the same time. Are we going to have to explain the California Raisins to the future, John? Because I don't know if I can do it. The California Raisins. Ooh, I heard it through the grapevine. Ooh, California sunshine. California Raisins from the California Vineyards. There were these a series of advertisements that combined the two least popular things in 1980s America, raisins and claymation, things well, that no one wanted. Although I'm feeling like this was the era, the peak era of claymation now that... Wouldn't it have seemed old-timey? Like I'm thinking Gumby and uh, like I'm thinking like a, a late 60s kid. Well, sure, but but this was, I mean, when you think about the late 80s, this was the era where the baby boomers right. had their last sort of moment of taking over the culture again. They're going to they're gonna sit at home and make everyone watch Nick at Night. They're going to make everybody watch Dick Van Dyke's show on Nick at Night because that's what they watch. Well, and 30-something was a big hit. The right. big chill. I mean, they were really luxuriating in the idea of their generation being the great one. And if you think about the California Raisins, they're singing the soul hits of the 60s. Heard it, heard it through the grapevine. It's a little on the nose, by it's the way. way What's the, the best nose? Motown song for a raisin to sing? Wait, I've got it. Dump, bump. And everybody loves it, but but it's like uh, it's just like boomer, right? It's big chill soundtrack uh, run amok. It's so bad, and and we you know as Generation X, as a member of Generation X, currently ruining America with our nostalgia, right? Well, except nobody's <laughs> listening to our nostalgia, right? We're one of those small generations that people are like, yeah, couldn't be less interested. Grunge, right? My Guys? mom was my mom was born in thirty four. 
in a generation between the boomers and the greatest generation. Mm -hmm. And she said, there has never been any awareness or celebration of her generation. And she said, now we're, we're all in our eighties and there's no talk of us. It's all, it's all focused on like the boomers are about to retire. She's like, here we are. We fought in Korea. Nobody cares. They can still enjoy all the amenities that the boomers have. They have wheel of fortune. That's right. And, uh, what magazines? Reader's Digest. But she doesn't relate to the boomers at all. Oh, I see. She's, right? She sees that as somebody else's generation. Her generation that, was... That would be like somebody coming to me and being like, oh, you must like Boy Meets World and all these Disney Channel shows. And I'm like, no, that's at least six years off. Yeah, exactly. Uh, uh, she, she, Her generation was cool jazz. And she's like, cool jazz was... It's still like kind of too intellectual. It's not... It never had like a resurgence. Nobody except for the absolute most egregious hipsters ever decided to bring cool jazz back. Your mom wants the guy in the commercial to open the lunchbox and to see Claymation Raisins playing So Blue by Miles Davis. (laughs) Yeah, right. That's your mom's uh, highest rated TV ad. The California Raisins became a mass culture thing, though. They were, um, they had an exhibit in the Smithsonian. They were huge. There was like a whole uh, primetime mockumentary special as if they were a real band. Let's follow the California Raisins Michael Jackson appeared and Ray Charles appeared with the California Raisins. And uh, partly this was a government conspiracy. I don't know if you're into those. What? (laughs) Big Fresno. The California (laughs) Raisin Advisory Board, which is not... Uh, called crab, annoyingly. Oh, it's come called, on. It's called Calrab. Boo. Right? <laughs> they spent all this money. They got a grant from the federal government to promote raisins because uh, raisins ship really well, but nobody in Japan and, and, uh, and Brazil and Australia were eating our raisins. Oh, it was like peanut butter. People uh, elsewhere didn't understand it. Right. So what, what you need is, is uh, Gumby in, in raisin form, apparently. Well, and this the, was... The international language. This was during the raisin... Or, I'm sorry, the Reagan years. Ronald Raisin. Not a Ronald coincidence. Ronald Raisin, president for eight long years. And he was former governor of California, so right. a Sacto guy. He looked like a raisin himself. <laughs> Our most raisin-like president, for, for sure. For sure. Um, the problem was, so they poured millions of dollars into this campaign, and it did get people in Japan and Australia to buy more raisins. The problem was the ad cost $3,000 for every ton of raisins that sold overseas, and raisin farmers only make $1,500 for every tons of, ton of raisins they produce. Oh. So the California raisins were a huge financial failure. No kidding. Despite their cultural... Uh, wait. It seemed at the time that, you know, all anyone was talking about was raisins. There's probably a lesson there about how, you know, all these trends, you look at the bottom line and nobody made any money. You know, the taxpayers lost millions on these things that seem to be the flavor of their age. There was a weird race problem around yes. the raisins because they were... um they're singing Motown. They're singing Motown. They're acting very... Yeah, they're doing Temptations backup singer kind of stuff with their hands. Right. And just sort of generally like uh, acting in that 80s version of what a cool black dude is with sunglasses right. on and like a lot of Clarence Clemens style. <laughs> right. Like Clarence Clemens is the white 80s guy idea yeah. of, of how to be cool. People like looking over the top of their shades going like, Hey man, Bill and Ted's excellent adventure. When they wanted a cool future cast Clarence Clemens as the, you know, general, the president of the future. Right. He's got that flat top fade haircut. And there were, so the raisins like, uh, it just, I mean, looking at those ads now, it, it feels very racist or, or at least like, like race, not race baiting, but 
but certainly not a thing you'd get away with now. You try to see it from the view of a dried fruit of color, even if the right. color is purple and you think this is not great. Right. There were no, there were no white raisins. Let's just put it that way. And at the time there were no people of color in the rooms making those decisions. Nobody even, you know, nobody even saw it, you know, like they would have been shocked, shocked to hear that audiences would be like, uh. Wasn't there a C. Thomas Howell movie where he was in blackface at the same time? Sure. Soul Man. Soul Man, right. That was in heavy rotation in Comedy Central, like surprisingly recently, I think. Really? Yeah. Um, Even at the time that movie smelled like a, like seven day old fish. It really does show that it's not even subtext anymore. This thing that, you know, the thing about Eminem, you know, wishing he wasn't the poor white kid. That thing is not subtext anymore. Like <laughs> it's the plot point of Soul Man. Right. Um, <laughs> Will Vinton Studio, by the way, is still around. He partnered with Phil Knight of Nike. Even, you know, we, we don't see that kind of claymation anymore. No. But Will Vinton uh, teamed with Phil Knight of Nike and later got bounced after their early projects went nowhere. Phil Knight brought in different directors like Henry Selleck and Wilvin Claymation Studios became Leica, the same studio that makes Coraline and Kubo and the Two Strings and all these super high-tech um, stop-motion animated movies of our era. Huh. Those are all derived from the California Raisin Millions that Will bilked the federal government out of, apparently. I'm trying to, I'm trying to imagine like what it was like to work there in 1989 when you couldn't throw a raisin without hitting one of their TV commercials. They had the Noid. They had the California Raisins. They were running America, essentially. And I recall there also being a claymation commercial for Kentucky Fried Chicken. Hamburger places may be good at making hamburgers, but when they try to make chicken, it doesn't always fly. That's why I count on the chicken experts, Kentucky Fried Chicken. Kentucky Fried Chicken, we do chicken right. They had a claymation commercial where they were going up against McDonald's and saying, because McDonald's had introduced the chicken nugget just recently, and KFC was like, you don't want to get your nuggets from McDonald's. You want to get KFC nuggets because we know chicken. And they were like dancing chicken nuggets made of clay. Yeah, there, were the, there was a whole series of these 1986 Kentucky Nuggets ads. And sometimes they just have their kind of regular receding hairline pitchmen appear first in claymation form doing crazy stuff with, uh, with chickens and hamburgers. Uh -huh. And then halfway through the commercial, he turns it back into his old self. Well, and, 1986 and would have been pre-Noid, right? These, uh, the, the KFC ads actually may have... It was all at the same time. The California Raisins appear in 1986, and that is also when the Noid made his debut, wow. I think. You know, that was the year I graduated from high school. So I was ground zero for all of these... Uh, for Noid avoidance. Claymation ads. And I, 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 I can recall not responding to them. Oh, really? Yeah, I felt like they were... Even stoned? You weren't like... No, they were gross. I didn't think they were funny because there's something about clay, like it's it's gooey. It's The raisins were gross looking. They didn't look like raisins. They looked like poo balls. Purple poo. None of it made me want any of this stuff. There's something kind of low rent and uh, church basementy about it too. It looks like one of those Davy and Goliath shorts. Today, it seems very charming, the jerky animation of, of stop motion dolls. But when it's clay and it's kind of oozing and you can see the fingerprints moving across it, um, it doesn't make me want to eat chicken nuggets, that's for sure. Yeah, for like all three of these things are talking about food. And what you want to do is make food appetizing. And clay is not appetizing. 
move like clay moving around just doesn't like make the mouth water. Domino's apparently knows there's nothing you can do to make their pizza appetizing. <laughs> And they've just, they just so tried down on them. They've just tried to create, well, do you remember their recent ad campaign where in like 2010, where essentially it was like, I know our pizza sucks, but what we're going to do is make it not suck. Like they actually, this was like the foregrounded in the ad. Oh, I do kind of remember that. You remember how we're like the lousy pizza that's cheap? <laughs> well, hey, we're actually going to have a new recipe now. Uh, the voice of the kind of the high pitched chittery voice of the Noid. Right. Um, sped up. Alvin and the Chipmunk style was uh, 80s puppeteer and actor Pons Marr, who is in a trifecta of kind of forgotten family entertainment from my childhood. Pons Marr. Which sounds like a Vulcan mating ritual, but yeah, it's not. It sounds like a, uh, like a part of your anatomy. Yes. Uh, it's right below your Pons Marr. The doctors have had to remove the Pons Marr. You can no longer smell or feel pain. <laughs> that's, that's how they made the Noid. <laughs> <laughs> Some kind of secret underground lab removed his pawns mar. So what were the, this guy's other gigs? Oh, uh, sorry. He's the <laughs> he's the wheeler, the head wheeler in Return to Oz. You have to come out sooner or later. And when you do, we'll tear you into little pieces and throw you in the deadly desert. I haven't done anything to you. Isn't that a stolen lunch bail in your hand? Isn't that a chicken in there with you? The Gnome King doesn't allow chickens anywhere in the Do you remember this dark nightmare inducing 50 Year Too Late sequel to Wizard of Oz? No. The 80s had a, 80s had a dark uh, goth uh, okay. Wizard of Oz sequel set in an insane asylum. And he was uh, kind of the evil, one of the evil snake, this, the henchman that looks like a reptile in The Golden Child. Oh, sure. So he's kind of in... Asian face, I guess, but he's, it's okay because he's an Asian reptile face. I just referenced the golden child last night. That is literally impossible. No one has referenced the golden child in 20 years. I just referenced it because a good friend was trying to think of an 80s actor and, and described this actor. And I was like, was he one of the henchmen in the golden child? <laughs> Could I have been thinking of, of pawns? There are multiple henchmen in the golden child, but he is definitely one of them. Wow. That's some, some weird synergy. Yeah. Golden child is one of those things that's interesting because it's equally forgotten in our time as it will be for our listeners in 3000 AD. Right. Right. Our futurelings will also not know. I, I often we make references to the movie dreamscape. Alex Gardner has a unique talent, and even he doesn't know what it can do. No one has ever done it before. No one has even conceived of doing it before. Going into another person's dream, if I have to see that, you believe it. He is about to enter a world that no one has ever seen before. The world of your dreams. And no one remembers it. Not even people. I don't even think the people that went to see it with me in the 80s remember Wait, Dreamscape. why don't I? Does it have some kind of computer virtual reality hook? It's a Dennis Quaid movie where uh, back pre-virtual reality, when, when there were still movies being made about like you go into a dream state oh. and then you be, you're suddenly able to astrally travel because you're some kind of like a psychic uh, telepath and you can, you can fight other people, but in your dreams. We need to have an appendix to the omnibus where we list all the things that the future does not need to know. <laughs> if, if in the rubble you ever come across a reference to Dennis Quaid's dreamscape, move along, go about, your, go about your day. I don't know. It spooked me at the time. <laughs> uh, his third movie, he, he must have got typecast as playing a lizard. He's the lizard guy, uh, Sarod in the Masters of the Universe movie. 
Does he look like a the lizard? He-Man movie. Yeah, he's he's a lizard. Well, and he's the voice of the Noid. Yeah, and he... Oh, and speaking of lizards, he was a, a supporting character on Dinosaurs. Honey, I'm home. Do you remember this inexplicable 80s sitcom where it's a family of dinosaurs? It's like... Uh, it's, but it's the Honeymooners. Yeah, it's the honey, It's like the Honeymooners or, you know, by way of The Simpsons, but they're all dinosaur puppets. It begs the question why the Honeymooners are the template for all subsequent shows that are trying to like, like for like instance, the or the, or Hitler was here, whatever the, sure. uh, the show we talked Kyle about, honey, Kyle, I'm Kyle, honey, I'm home. or the Flintstones. I mean, the, the honeymooners uh, really, really set the tone. I guess if you're trying to exper- do something experimental with a sitcom, like animate it, do it with dinosaurs, add the Fuhrer. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> you want you want to stick to a, a template that everybody knows. I understand this is a situation comedy, even though it's got cavemen slash dinosaurs slash gerbils. Have you always wanted to learn to play an instrument? Maybe you've even tried at some point, but gave up because you felt lessons were too expensive or that you just didn't have the time. Thankfully, there's Musician. Musician is the fun, easy, and affordable way to learn guitar, piano, bass, ukulele, and even singing. Just download the app to your desktop, tablet, or phone and start playing. Musician gives you 24-7 access to a vast catalog of video lessons from professionally trained educators, as well as thousands of exercises and songs across dozens of music genres, all tailored to your goals. And with Musician's award-winning technology that listens to you play, you'll get real-time feedback on timing and accuracy so you can actually see yourself improving as you learn. Start your extended 14-day free trial of Musician's Premium Plus package at musician.com start. That's unlimited access to thousands of lessons, exercises, and songs on as many instruments as you want for two whole weeks. Just go to musician.com slash start. That's Y-O-U-S-I-C-I-A-N dot com slash start. So, uh, so we've established that the California Raisins were ultimately a financial debacle. Mm-hmm. Did the Noid work for Domino's? The Noid had a period of a cultural ascendancy like nothing we had ever seen, including the California Raisins. He was in uh, 3D comic books. CBS was going to develop a Saturday morning cartoon Whoa. about the Noid, which seems difficult because he's just this pizza hater. spiteful monster who does nothing but hate it when people eat pizza, which everyone loves. Famously, everyone loves, right? right? It's the most universally loved thing in the world. Would there be some backstory? Like what was motivating the Noid? The production company um, made pains to say that this was not going to be a Domino's ad. Reagan's FCC had deregulated um, children's TV to the point that they could be long advertisements for toys. Oh, sure. Which had actually been against federal government policy before the 80s. Sure. Thank you, Ron. Thank you for, uh, without him, we would not have the G.I. Joe cartoon, (laughs) the He-Man cartoon. Right, or any co- uh, contemporary cartoons. Starberry Shortcake. Pretty much every 80s cartoon is just an ad for toys. Well, I think it's true now. You wouldn't even pitch a cartoon that didn't have a toy associated with it, right? Are you a brony, John? Is this how we find out? I'm, I'm more of a juggalo, but yeah, I have brony <laughs> tendencies. Can you be both? Are there like brogalos? Bronylos, yeah. Uh, the guy who was producing, the vice president in charge of trying to sell America on this terrible idea, said of the Noid, he appeals to something in every adult and child. This is patently untrue, but no, he's just, he's just going to say stuff and hope that reporters nod. <laughs> he's the screw up, the screw up who you deal with in every walk of life. And also the screw up in you. 
this guy's just free associating. Yeah, the Noid isn't anything <laughs> he's, like the he's screw not a up lovable in me. scruff. No. Oh, I hope he stops that guy from getting his pizza. <laughs> no, no. The, the screw up in me just lies around and says, "Why don't you go to the gym? You should go to the gym." This this shows you what a dark view Los Angeles has of America. They think everybody has this dark side that just wants to ruin their neighbor's pizza. Wow. But uh, but that but the Noid kind of passed into irrelevancy before they were able to to boot up this show. Yeah, there, it was widely criticized. It would have been the first time that uh, an advertising mascot had become a TV protagonist, and there was some pushback. But the Noid did appear in two video games. Uh, Avoid the Noid was a very bad PC game, which is uh, where you're a pizza boy going up floors of an apartment, Donkey Kong style, trying to guess what? Uh oh, avoid the Noid. Noid, by the way, I did not say, comes from humanoid, according to writer Matthew Thornton. Interesting. Which is not clear at all from the ads. You would think it would be from annoyed. Maybe you're annoyed that your pizza is is squished. Or words that start with N that uh, that uh, imply negating something. Noid, like no, noid. Right, he's, he's, he is nihilist. He is, yeah. he is dark side. He's the anti-monitor. He... He opposes all light and pizza delivery. Some right? people just want to watch the world burn. <laughs> Some claymation people just want to watch the world burn and the pizza cool. The second video game was Yo Noid. <laughs> Speaking of uh, uh-huh. white people idea of Clarence Clemens cool. Did it, did it have a, 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 an African-American Bart Simpson? This one is confusing. Yeah, right. This one is confusing because you are the Noid. Here's the ad. Yo, New York City's been overrun by a bunch of really bad guys, and you've got to stop them. How? Just bonk them a lot with your yo-yo. So we see the mythology of the Noid really expanding here. (laughs) Or out-chomp them in the pizza-eating contests. I like how it's in the pizza-eating contest, as you know. Sure. Once they begin. The famous New York pizza-eating contest. You need to out-chomp them. Uh, Get your slice of the yo-noid action for Nintendo today. While it's hot... So they're really kind of playing on the uh, the love we consumers have for the Noid's pizza connections. But the game is nothing like that. You're the Noid fighting um, the slimy Mr. Green, who is a Noid in a green suit instead of a red suit. He just looks like a Noid. Yes, there's been some kind of a mirror universe or some kind of uh, splintering so the Noid of the Noid is archetype. A, the Noid is an evil character. The, but... re- the Red Noid, apparently, in this game, is a good character trying to out-chomp Wow. His green Noid enemy. So they could have gone a lot of different directions. There's a worse Noid. In the Noid expanded universe. Um, but well, this so all... he's kind of like a paranoid. <laughs> That's exactly it. I don't know why they didn't use that instead of Mr. Green. Yeah, sure. We got to name him after one of the characters from Clue. <laughs> Which one? <laughs> so this all worked. Matthew Thornton said that at its peak, the Noid brought Domino's from just 40% market awareness, you know, kind of a niche regional chain doing a weird delivery thing that might not catch on to 90% market awareness. Every, everyone in America knows Domino's and that's where they get hot pizza. But America started to burn out a bit. And um, if we jump forward in time, Matthew Thornton, by the way, now plays banjo and guitar in the Bucktown Ramblers, uh-huh. one of the finest alt bluegrass bands of Southwest Michigan. Sure, sure. He owns a coffee shop in Buchanan, Michigan. Um, so that's, that's... He landed on his feet. That's the third act of the, the Noid veterans. Um, and Domino's doing just fine. But one thing that hastened the end of the Noid happened on January 30th, 1989 in Chambly, Georgia. Chambly. Chambly. Am I saying that wrong? Sure. I think that's, I mean, just put a Southern accent on it. Cham- it'll be fine. Well, I was kind of saying it like Chambly, Cham- like, Chambly. I'm, like I'm one of the designing, designing uh, women. Chambly. Chambly. Uh-huh. It's like a dessert. 
uh, sorry, Chambly, Georgia, a man named Kenneth Lamar Noid. No. Tragically, surname of Noid. I don't no. Know, what would even be the ethnic? Hard to say, right? Noid. It doesn't sound Slavic. It doesn't. Is he a robot from the future? Noid. I cannot place Noid. Anyway, no connection with the mascot. A guy just born, unfortunately, named Kenneth Lamar Noid walked into a Domino's and held the staff there, showed them a 38 caliber pistol and took the employees hostage for five and a half hours. This is dark. And he did this. Yeah, sorry about that. Sorry about that. We were having fun with Claymation. Wow, this turned a corner. And the Golden Child. So I mean, this, the, Golden, the Golden Child's pretty dark, too. This is, yeah, not, dark this is about as dark as Return to Oz. So uh, this Mr. Noid has been brutalized by this campaign. Well, he was, uh, as you might guess, not 100% in Compost Mentis. He told police that he believed that Thomas Monaghan, the owner of Domino's, comes into his apartment and looks around. Every time he sees a Noid commercial, he thinks that uh, Monaghan, the CEO of Domino's, is communicating to him. Hmm. And this is a not uncommon kind of mental illness where you think that the TV is, you know, there's, remember the woman who thought that David Letterman wanted her to come go through his house because mm-hmm. every night on TV, he would show up at 1130 and say, Susan, come go through my house. No, he didn't. It's the helter-skelter problem. Exactly. It's helter-skelter. Like, however our brains evolved, they were not able to cope with mass media. And, and so things we might have been able to ignore before, I think she's winking at me, now just hit us full force when it comes on the TV. So Mr. Noid is just like every time a, every time a, uh, every time that Noid comes on, he gets annoyed. Right. And he thinks, and he, and he I guess because the Noid is a, is a figure of evil, you know, yeah. maybe that makes him think it's okay to go get a 38 and, and take some hostages. So know? how is this resolved? The police arrived. He fired four warning shots into the ceiling. He ordered officers to keep clear and he demanded $100,000, a getaway car, and a science fiction book titled The Widow's Son. Uh-huh. Okay. Which, as you may remember from our defenestration <laughs> episode, is a Freemasonry reference. <laughs> it all comes together. Do you know these? Uh, it's, uh, I, the Widow's Son is one of these Illuminatus mm-hmm. books of Robert Anton Wilson. Do you remember this phenomenon? I don't follow the, the uh, Illuminatus books. I, this is one that's kind of get, laying out the Trilateral Commission as a, or is this closer to the Protocols of the Elders of Zion? This should be an entry in the omnibus, I okay. think. Like there were these two, uh, if you remember this period, I think these books were kind of everywhere in the counterculture. These two Playboy editors produced this massive million word trilogy and then subsequent sequels. Uh, that combined science fiction with kind of psychedelic mysticism and their own weird brand of anarcho libertarianism. Oh my goodness, I do remember seeing these. This is and it was all the trilateral stuff of how the world really works. And and then it was all it all culminated in uh, "Behold the Pale Horse," which was the ultimate the condensation of every single conspiracy in one barely coherent narrative. Unless that's the Piers Anthony book. Behold the pale horse. Let's uh, let's do this. Uh, let's do an episode of the omnibus on this because this is right up our alley. I smell spinoff. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so this guy wants a book with his conspiracy theory connection. Um, but the hostages. It's luckily this is not as dark as Return to Oz. The hostages escaped after about five and a half hours while Mister Noid's back was turned, and he. <laughs> <laughs> not, unlike his uh, claymation equivalent, not a master criminal. He was freezing pizzas back in the back, and they <laughs> all got bu- out. He was building a weather machine, and uh, he surrendered shortly afterwards. He was charged with um, 
counts of kidnapping, aggravated assault, theft by extortion. He was jailed and a few months later was actually um, found not guilty by reason of insanity mm -hmm. and um, right. just sent to a Georgia mental hospital to try to chill out a bit. This morning, by the way, watching the news, I saw that uh, there was somebody who became convinced that every time Pat Sajak mentioned his hometown on Wheel of Fortune, he was... Communicating directly with them? Yeah, he was telling him to kill his mother. Whoa. So this kind of... Did he kill his mother? He did, John. I'm oh. sorry. Now now you have finally found something darker than Return to Oz. Boy, this this show took a real turn. Good job. True crime podcasts are very big. Well, they're Ho super hopefully, big. <laughs> hopefully in the super future as well. But Noy did get something out of this adventure. Yeah. Uh, while he was holding the employees hostage, according to the staff, he ordered an extravaganza pizza with ham, pepperoni, green peppers, onions, black olives, mushroom, sausage, beef, and extra cheese. But no pizzas were delivered anywhere else in town. Can you imagine being a Domino's employee held at gunpoint and then asked to make an extravaganza pizza? Your life is on the line. Make your best Domino's pizza. Like you would just start <laughs> writing your will right there, right? You're just like extra sauce, <laughs> extra cheese, extra <laughs> toppings. So, but at this point, uh, then Domino's abandoned the Noid and it was probably past its sell-by date anyway. Yeah, I think the Noid was already on the downhill slide before Mr. Noid took the law into his own hands. The last time I got a Domino's pizza personally was in 1990. I remember it very distinctly. I was on my, I was living in Washington, D.C. I was on my way to a Willie Nelson concert. And even then, it felt like we should see Willie Nelson now because how much longer can he possibly live? Willie Nelson is alive in the future. People are, our listeners are laughing at you right now. Yeah. He's, he's a head in a jar, just like Futurama, but he's the, still The singing. braids are coming out of the top of the jar and are plugged into outlets. That's how he gets his fluids. He's still touring even now, uh, Futurelings, although to you, time will have compressed and this will all seem like it, it just took place in that era between the 23rd and sure. 14th century. They'll be like, Willie Nelson, did he know like Michelangelo? Yeah, Beethoven. Yeah, right? probably. But I remember I was on my way to this Willie Nelson concert. If you can imagine it, I was a little baked. No. Because it was like a concert on the grass in suburban Washington, D.C. And I was like, oh, and I passed by a Domino's, which still didn't have seating, but you could walk in. And I walked in and was like, let me have like two, because they had two pepperonis for $9.99 or something. I bought two pizzas, walked them into the concert. Luckily, they did not have a mascot called the Roderick, so you didn't have to shoot mm, the place nope, up. Nope. And then I sat on the grass and just was like the hero of my area because I was passing pizza out. To other people with the munchies. Like, you want a you want a slice, man? And I was like, I I couldn't have been happier. But that was the last time I ever got Domino's. It'll never be as good again, right? That's probably a good call. That's why. So why does the Noid deserve a a place in the pantheon in the omnibus? That's true. I don't want to be guilty of just putting nostalgic effluvia from my childhood in a permanent. Earth's permanent record, essentially. Right. Yeah, we're not just like sitting here uh, reminiscing about oh, man. television commercials. Do you remember Give Me a Break? <laughs> from when I was Nell stung. Carter. <laughs> no, I think the Noid is important on a few axes. And we've already touched on a few of them. I mm -hmm. mean, uh, we talked about how he's, it's really the first time that advertising and entertainment converge mm -hmm. in conjunction with the California Raisins, I guess. But just this idea that there's no divider anymore, that the advertising has to be as fun as the show and then the show can just sell out to the advertiser. It can, right. be the same, it can be the same thing. This was the beginning of product placement. Sure. And every kind of goofy Super Bowl ad that tries to be more entertaining than the game, you know? Right. 
And there's also the, the disruption thing you mentioned. The Noid was the herald of the modern economy, where you don't actually try to make a new widget or a widget that's 8% more efficient. All you have to do is find some existing industry that's doing just fine, make a terrible product, but make it slightly more convenient right. or inexpensive or both. Cheaper and brought to your home. Sure. It's, uh, so the Noid is kind of the herald of Uber and Amazon and everything else that has wrecked the retail economy for sure in your era, listeners. Right, right. Pizza, pizza went from a thing that was very local to something that was considered a mass-produced commodity. I think it was, it's hard to believe even in our era. If you tell people that you could not call Pizza Hut in 1987, nobody would believe you. It's something you'd never believe if you saw it in a science fiction movie, the idea that, yes, this civilization gets all its food by going to a place, except for this one dish, <laughs> which is brought to your home, <laughs> of flatbread, tomato, and cheese. You know, it's, it's so random and bizarre. And Domino's essentially created it with the Noid, with the evil terrorist Noid. And that became the model for how the service economy might hang on for another couple decades. And crazily, Domino's still flourishes. Yes. Domino's is still omnipresent and apparently tastes better, or so their advertising says. Hmm. They've, they've owned up to their terrible Noid embracing past. Well, I feel like there's no reason at all why we shouldn't Order a Domino's right now. And we're, this is total free advertising because all the people who are baked listening to the show are probably also going to order a Domino's. They already have. Yeah. Like five, five minutes in, they were on the phone or the, they were not on the phone. They were on the internet. <laughs> oh, that's the other thing. Domino's now doesn't want you to call them. They want you to, to just set up a template on your computer which already has your, not only your address, but your favorite pizza. And it's like one click. Disrupting phone answering. Yeah. They're, well, sure. They're doing it again. Because you might click it accidentally and suddenly an extravaganza <laughs> shows up at your house. Do you think there's also something very late 80s about the Noid, about how he's, he, he gets you to buy through fear? You know, he's, he's red suited. Is he a communist? You know, this is, this is the era of, you know, the evil Ayatollah, the evil Gaddafi. Bernie gets, you know, the idea that we, we need to react back out of, out of fear that someone's going to take our stuff, make our world worse. He's also an evil gremlin. And I mean, I hate to continue to connect things to the Cold War and the fear of nuclear devastation, but I always felt like the Noid and the California Raisins got some of their animating energy from radioactivity. I guess what I'm saying here is the Noid is communism. And that concludes The Noid. Entry 840.PR0415. Certificate number 29250 in the Omnibus. In the unlikely event that social media still exists in your era, tweets are archived at at Omnibus Project. Our handles work at Ken Jennings and at John Roderick. I also maintained an Instagram account under my own name. And we can also be found on Facebook as Omnibus Project. Our address for email was omnibusproject at howstuffworks.com. Listeners, from our vantage point in your distant past, we have no idea how long our civilization even survived. We hope and pray that the catastrophe we fear uh, may never come. But if the worst 
does come soon. This recording, like all our recordings, may be our final word. But we hope to be back with you soon for another entry in the Omnibus. Omnibus.